Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4 this morning will be the text on which we will be preaching. And the title of my sermon is Knowledge, Understanding, and Wisdom. I call it a triune uh, of ultimate learning. Because if we are to really know God in the way that he wants us to do and to know him, we need wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And so I invite you to turn to Proverbs 24. And it reads as such, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all pleasant or precious and pleasant riches. The rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I can remember back in the 70s, when I first became acquainted with this verse, I became acquainted with it through uh, the Living Bible Translation, which was putting it into very simple and straightforward English, simplifying it such as saying that any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. That's a good translation for a simplification of something that is so deep and so absolutely calling to understanding and for meditation on understanding, all the implications of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So what does it mean? I wanted to talk this morning a little bit about how that relates to it and how that has played a part in my particular uh, life because about 30 years ago, closer to 40, I adopted this as my mantra, if you will. Any enterprise, meaning anything we build, anything of, of an operational nature in our life, is built by wise planning. Wise planning is necessary. Wisdom is necessary. And it becomes strong through common sense, and it does profit wonderfully when we consider keeping abreast of all the facts. So it has application in every sense of the word in a business environment, which is what I was in at the time that I adopted this as my mantra. But I would invite you this morning to look deeply at this word that says, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So where is the real source of wisdom? As the Bible says, as we've been through the Psalms and Proverbs over these last few weeks, you have been blessed, no doubt, by reading those, those precious verses that you find in the Psalms that give such encouragement to us, that speak to our souls in such poignant ways. But also, if you've read the Proverbs, you've been blessed by the wisdom that was manifested in a man by the name of Solomon and captured in such a way that has been through the ages an encouragement to us and of such great instruction as we lived our lives. The source of all wisdom is in the Lord. It says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see these three triune elements, if you will. 
in that same verse of Scripture, for the Lord gives wisdom. He is the source, and he alone is the source of all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The fear of the Lord, it says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Again, we see those same elements played out. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Another good example is found in Exodus, or pardon me, in Deuteronomy. It's going to be found in Exodus, too. I'll get to that in a moment. But in Deuteronomy, Moses gave charge to Israel, and he said this, See, I have taught you, your, see, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do this in the land where you are, go, are, are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these things, or all these statutes, and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So Israel was intended to be an example to the nations that uh, surrounded it. And God, again, is a source. And he intended his people to bear testimony of his wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. There are other scriptural examples you'll find in Exodus I had referred to a moment ago. And it says here, again, as Moses was taking the commandments from God about building the tabernacle, he said this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. So God gave a special wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to a man by the name of Bezalel, who was the one who was going to design most of the tabernacle and build it as God had given him specific instructions. I think it's also edifying to look at Proverbs 14.6. It says, a scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. Knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. We find those particular types of examples through the Old Testament. Also in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord in Isaiah 11, chapter 2. And this was a prophecy of the coming of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And this was to be a man of wisdom and understanding, of strength and knowledge. All these things were resident in the Messiah to come. And we find them perfectly manifested in Jesus Christ, our Lord. There are more scriptural examples. In Daniel, in particular, after Israel had been captured by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar had sought to find some examples of perfect youth, and it says here in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, and then in verse 17, it said, Youth in whom there was no defect, who were good, good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered them to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. 
And again, again in verse 17, for these four youths, this was Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, who, to whom he had referred, to these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And you have the example in that particular book in the Bible of Daniel interpreting the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and what a significant impact it had. And also, you see how these four youths were given great positions of responsibility among the Babylonian government. Also in Daniel, chapter 2, verses 20 through 21, it says, Let the name of the Lord be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs, He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Again, the perfect example of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding were found in that particular time. Well, the the time is not just for the Old Testament. That was to be referred to these things, these three things. It's also affirmed in the New Testament in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we have heard of it and have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with a knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God intends for us to know his will, to have knowledge of him, the living God, to have understanding of the scriptures and to wisely exhibit that in our lives and the way that we live day by day. And that's what wisdom is all about. Let's just take for a moment to define wisdom, both from a natural standpoint and also from a scriptural standpoint. Defining wisdom. If you, I looked at the Encarta Encyclopedia on, online, found a good definition as it relates to how the world looks at wisdom. It says the ability to make sensible decisions and judgments based on personal knowledge and experience. Also, it shows good sense in a way of thinking, judgments, and actions. It is the accumulated knowledge of life or sphere of activity that has been gained through experience. That's wisdom. So we're talking about people who normally would have been around for a while. Now, go back and reflect on what we said about Daniel. Daniel and his three companions Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were not necessarily men uh, of great wisdom in terms of the age in which they were. They were young men, extremely young men, great examples of the nobility of that time. And yet, they still had these traits. So experience is important for us. As we grow older, hopefully we become wiser. That's not necessarily the case. You can only look around the world today and see that's you see many people who've been around a while who had great experience but aren't not necessarily very wise whatsoever. Wisdom is from God, and that's the problem. If they don't have wisdom from God, they can sound very foolish. Let's talk about wisdom from a biblical perspective for a moment. The Hebrew world, the Hebrew word for that, I say work here, but that's a mistake. The word is chokmah, which means to discern to perceive. 
And this all, this definition has to do with perception, the ability to discern and understand the things that you're looking at and the things you're involved with. So it's given from that point that uh, it says here it's the receiving of instruction and the exercising of correct judgment, wise-hearted. You don't hear that word very often anymore, wise-hearted. You hear other words that relate to maybe the opposite thing. And when you think about what is the opposite of wisdom and understanding and knowledge, think about that. Wisdom, the opposite of that is folly. Understanding, the opposite of that is really closed-mindedness, complete ignorance, if you will, of what should be obvious. And the knowledge is some people who are ignorant completely and maybe even to the point of stupidity. And we see examples of this in our world, left and right, today, especially in the political situation we see involved in, in, in our day and time. Just the opposite of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That's why it's so important to understand that this comes from a biblical perspective. And in that respect, we have another definition taken from Herbert Lockyer. In the biblical sense, wisdom is the ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. A judgment aspect is so important when it comes to wisdom. Let's talk about understanding for a moment. This is the ability to grasp the meaning of something. It's the knowledge of a particular subject area or situation. It's the interpretation of something. That's, for instance, the kind of thing that Daniel had. He was able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. And as a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar was ready to uh, kill every single so-called wise men in his kingdom because they could not interpret his dreams. And yet uh, Daniel had that ability because God had given it. It was a God-given ability. We don't see that today and uh, too often in our, in our day and age because we have the revealed word of God on which we can come and find wisdom because it's filled with wisdom. It is also an agreement about something writ uh, of a particular uh, nature. In other words, it's some kind of a coming to understanding, coming to an agreement. It also is a knowledge of another's nature implying intimacy. And we have an understanding of how some people think and why they do the things they do. It often is involved with intimacy as well. And let's talk about understanding from a biblical biblical perspective. Again, the Hebrew word tabana means to separate, to distinguish, to discern, being marked discretion or reason, being marked by discretion or reason. And that is a good example of how we can interpret understanding from a biblical perspective. Lastly, let's define knowledge. That means the general awareness or possession of information, facts, ideas, truths, or principles. That's all we, I think we would all agree that that is a good description of knowledge. There is a clear awareness of explicit information of how to understand that, and that goes along with the knowledge. It is all the information, truths, facts, and principles that are learned throughout time, accumulative knowledge, if you will. There is familiarity or uh, understanding gained through experience, uh, 
And so we find that these are the kind of things that aptly describe knowledge in the terms of the world. But let's talk about a little what, what spiritual knowledge looks or what spiritual wisdom looks like and spiritual knowledge as well, because all of these things, by the way, there's a crossover among these terms of wisdom and understanding and knowledge as it relates to the spiritual aspect of it. They are, that's why I call it the triune example of learning, because they are intricately involved with one another. Who among us, it says in James 3, who among us is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. James does a great job of describing what the wisdom looks like from the word. That's what spiritual wisdom looks like. It is something gentle. It is not something that uh, is intrusive and enforced upon people. It is not something that's bragged about. It is not something that uh, attempts to get one's way in an argument. It is gentle. It is Christ-like, as Jesus fulfilled all aspects of wisdom understanding and knowledge. So it is that as we look at the New Testament, we have a great description and understanding of what it looks like. Let's talk about what Paul said, because he prayed for us and prayed for the church at Ephesus, and he said this, For this reason, since the day I have heard of the faith, uh, heard, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and of knowledge of him. That's chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. A spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him. Again, a perfect example of Jesus Christ in which we have in him the perfect example, as I said, of what all these things mean as they come together. The Greek word for wisdom is Sophia. Some of you might even know someone who's named by, by that. As they, they might have a Greek lineage or, or a background. But it is the perfect description in the New Testament as the word was in the old, uh, that wisdom comes from God. It is heavenly in its nature. And revelation, the spirit of revelation, means the understanding that we were talking about earlier. If we understand, it is because God has revealed to us, as Christ said to uh, Simon Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. As revealed when Christ made, when Peter made profession that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was the rev- divine revelation, and that is another aspect of what we have in that respect. The next illustration is, I, I debated over this sometime because I thought, would, would wisdom, if I wanted to illustrate these three elements together, would it be an inverted P 
pyramid or one that's regular in its shape and size. I decided upon an inverted pyramid because I thought the, the, the least important thing, if you're such a thing as saying something's least important when it comes to this triune of learning, would be knowledge because we can come by knowledge relatively easy. I've known people who had a great knowledge about the Bible, and yet they did not know it. They just had a good knowledge of it. I've also known people who have had a great knowledge of the Bible and of the God of the Bible because they had a personal relationship. Pardon me. But when it comes to knowledge, there's a difference in the world's knowledge, which can be accumulation of facts and figures and all those kind of things that go with it, and the knowledge that comes through spiritual revelation as Christ said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so when we come to the word of God, and we begin to search the scriptures and seeking to understand, and that's the first thing, we gain knowledge as we read the word. Because the word is eternal. The word never passes away. The heaven and earth, it says, might pass away, but your word will never pass away. So we have an eternal thing that we come to for the knowledge that we need in order to gain understanding. And then in order to gain understanding, we need to put this into practice in our lives. And this is where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is the ability to make those kind of decisions that we need to make that bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. Wisdom is the ability of applying our knowledge of God and our knowledge and understanding of the way he works in our lives as accordance to the witness of Scripture so that we can implement or make decisions that glorify him and are a blessing to us. That's why they're so linked together. There's why there's such a crossover when we use one word or the other, and the Scriptures sometimes do the same thing, meaning implying exactly the same thing, that wisdom and understanding and knowledge are intricately linked together. And so consequently, I kind of did the inverted pyramid. I want more wisdom in my life. And I adopted a vision statement many years ago uh, for myself personally, and where I wanted to show in the way that I lived that Christ Jesus was living in me and that the way I lived and moved and had my being was by reading and exemplifying the wisdom of God's word in every aspect of my life. There's nothing more important that we can do than reflect the wisdom of his word. So these three elements, I thought, came together in such a way that it really spoke to me many, many years ago about the need to pursue wisdom. As a matter of fact, as you read through Proverbs, did you notice how wisdom is commended in the scriptures? Did you notice how wisdom invited those who were passing by to come in and seek understanding? Wisdom is real. And let's talk lastly about how we are to obtain that wisdom. It's found perfectly in James chapter five or chapter one, verses five through eight. It says this. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, 
who gives to all generously and without, without reproach, and it will be given to him. All we need do is ask of God, and he will give it to us. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So not only does God invite us to come and seek wisdom, to only ask for it, and he will give generously to those who do. But if we come doubting that he will, we are in for an unpleasant surprise. That's what the scripture says. It's not what I say. It's what the scripture says. God expects us to ask in faith, believing that he will do what he promises he will do. Can we expect any least or any less from God than that? I think not. That is our challenge. As we read the scriptures, that we seek understanding of what God has for us and how he is bearing witness through his word to our life and the way we live. God is expecting us to trust him, to have complete faith in him, as we seek to know the wisdom of his ways, to exemplify understanding, and to gain knowledge by which we would live day by day. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you this morning that you have given us the promise that you will give wisdom to us who all come to you and ask for it. And Father, there can't be a more blessed assurance than that, that you will do what you say you will do. Because we know, Lord, that you alone are the source of all wisdom. You have made that manifest through your word, which is eternal, which will never pass away. Therefore, Father, we thank you for the promises of that word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him who opens the way for us to come and to know you intimately, to understand what you are, what you are doing in our life, how you are leading us and guiding us. And Father, to exemplify wisdom in our judgments and the way we live and interact with one another and with the world as we bear witness of your glorious truth. Father, open our hearts. Give us a deeper understanding than ever before. May the wisdom of Jesus be seen in us and his name therefore glorified forever and ever. We pray in his name. Amen.